Claire Sparrow, a second generation Pilates teacher, owner and director of Chapalatin Pilates and the founder of Whole Body Pelvic Health. I'm Sophie Rugg, a long-standing client of Claire's and user researcher by day. Welcome to Reimagining You, the Pilates Way. Continuing with our theme of mindset and beliefs, we are super excited and a little in awe to welcome mum of six, all age 12 and under, with two sets of twins, entrepreneur, founder of award-winning business, Mini First Aid, Dragon's Den winner, and arguably most importantly, Pilates advocate, Kate Ball. Kate has practiced Pilates for many years and makes her regular practice a priority in her extremely busy life. And we're keen to know how and why she does this. So let's talk about making time for Pilates. loyal listener of Reimagining You, the Pilates Way, I'm offering an exclusive discount of 10% off stage one pre-Pilates for whole body pelvic health. Use the code podcast over at wholebodypelvichealth.co.uk for that discount. That's use the code podcast at wholebodypelvichealth.co.uk. and welcome to the podcast we are absolutely thrilled to have you here chatting with us today and I'm really looking forward to getting to know you I know I am so excited Kate and I are great friends and Kate is a huge fan of Pilates too and just has so much to share with us thank you for having me it's wonderful to be here and to have a bit of time off from my children so thank you <laughs> brilliant happy to help <laughs> definitely so Kate this is the first time you and I have met I no, do really yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah oh, wow. I do feel like I already know you a little we've just had a discussion actually now children know each other of course <laughs> but from what I've heard and read about you, I'd describe you as something of a local celebrity. And that's it. I know you and Claire have known each other for many years. So how did you two first meet? I ended up having a assessment with Claire. I think that's probably <laughs> the best way to word it. Claire assessed me, looked at my body and went, I think you need some help. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's probably where it all started, really. Um, I was having physio uh, with a physio clinic that was at the time part of your studio, Claire. That's right. Yeah. And this was postnatal physio. And uh, the physio said to me, Kate, what I'm doing with you now is Pilates. You need to do Pilates. And why didn't you just go in next door and chat to Claire? And then the rest, as they say, is history really yeah um, it really is yeah and what do you remember from meeting Kate well I do remember that first one-to-one where Kate came for an assessment we always do an initial one-to-one is an assessment what are your goals what do you want to do what are you looking to achieve out of doing Pilates I obviously had some really great referral notes so I knew a little bit about what Kate was coming with and then we just talked about what you wanted to achieve and we cracked on didn't we we did we did and started a programme, but then I had a slight interruption. I'll never forget Perhaps that Perhaps a day. commercial break in my Pilates journey. That was a commercial break. <laughs> I'll never forget the day. So we must have only had two or three sessions yeah, with many. you working with me one-on-one postnatally. We're looking at how do we restore your abdominal muscles, all that good stuff. And she paused at the top of the stairs when she came in for the next one. Immediately, I knew that you had news that day. I did. So I was seeing Claire. By this point, I had four children. I think Mm. that's right. So when I first came to see Claire, I had four children. So I had two singletons and one set of twins. And my news was that I was pregnant again, whoops, with another set of twins. Yeah. So (laughs) at that point, we didn't know whether it was going to be another set of twinnies, but it was pretty likely, wasn't it? So then we went 
quickly from working postnatally to getting you super ready to give birth again. And what was the gap? 20 months is the birth gap between wow. the first set of twins being born and the second set arriving. So not a great time for my body. <laughs> and actually, you were one of the most incredible pregnant women I've ever worked with because you dedicated, there was nothing going to waver you from your weekly Pilates mm -hmm. practice and mm -hmm. the bits that you were doing at home. And you were glorious with it. You moved brilliantly and you were able to, to sustain your pregnancy really well. I think one of the fears that I had when I found out that I was pregnant again, that was scary enough, but then when we found out it was twins again, was that whether my body was actually capable of doing it. Mm -hmm. So coming to Pilates wasn't just, okay, I'm doing this because it makes me feel lovely. It was pure survival mode mm -hmm. because it was a case of going, I need my body to be able to carry me through this. But also as well as carrying a load inside my body, I had these tiny babies still that I was lugging around externally, still carrying one on each yeah. hip, pushing a double buggy whilst pregnant. And I knew that I was at risk that if I didn't look after my body that I could cause danger. So, mm. you know, and damage. Wow. Yeah, it really heightens your priorities, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, you massively so. Important. Yeah, yeah. And when you came into Clay's studio to start with for that first session when you'd come from the physio, was that your first experience of Pilates Ever? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't know... I'd done yoga in the past. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Yoga in the past. <laughs> and I'd stretched and bent myself through my pregnancies with my singletons, my first two children. And I didn't know Pilates at all. Mm -hmm. And I had no... So in a way, I didn't have any expectation okay. of it. Mm. But when I came to the studio here, there was a lot of kind of rather bizarre-looking equipment... <laughs> Torture train, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you think, oh crikey, you know. And if someone else is having a one to one when you arrive and you see the end of something, you think, crikey, what? Oh no, am I going to be doing that sort of that sort of thing? And um, so I was apprehensive, but also the studio is so calm. I still mm. say that now. Yeah. You walk in and you feel like your shoulders have dropped. You know the plants, mm -hmm. and it's all lovely. And so it's really calm, and that's how I felt when I first arrived. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I think yeah. you're mm. not alone in that impression of coming in. And yeah. Yeah, and, but you didn't have any expectations at all when you started. No, I think because just having this real, it's survival mode. Mm. And at the time when I very first started, obviously it was just, it was that recovery piece. Mm -hmm. And I had that bit where I was just trying to put my body back together. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have probably a massive appreciation for what the female body can do. Yeah. You know, I've grown six babies. And I've had six vaginal deliveries as well. Might be too much information. No, this is amazing. But, but because I've done that, I've got a bit, I know, I've got a bit awe for what I can do. But I also think that I had to give it a bit of respect and look after it. And that's what coming here was all about. Yeah. It's so yeah. true. That piece about um, appreciating what your body can do and giving it some respect for what it can do is a really different mindset, a different way of feeling and experiencing our bodies mm. and I think actually it's really common in what I see is that it's not until women are pregnant or have had babies that they then go wow this is awesome look mm. at what my body can do or appreciate that it, it needs your love care and attention on a regular basis to be able to do the things that you want it to do yeah i agree i agree and i think you know if you watch those you know i spend far too much time looking at instagram and i just don't know how really because i've not got any time but you know when you watch those digitally remarked videos where they show a baby growing inside mm. a woman's uterus and you go wow and it's like a slow-mo of a baby growing and you go oh that's incredible and you go oh look at the woman's body but actually i think that's just the one bit because that's just the bump and everything that's happening in your tummy. It's the rest of everything you. Everything is it's involved. It's everything. It's your lungs, it's your skeleton, mm. it's your muscles, it's your weight, it's your water, it's your hormones and all that. And that all comes into play when you're pregnant. It's a whole body event. Massive. Yeah. And I think you do start to feel as well. You feel your body and start to understand your body in a way that you perhaps haven't done mm. previously. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that keeps going i always say that and you might have felt the same way with each child that i had 
I learned something new and gained a, a greater appreciation mm. for my body. There was mm. just more layers to value and appreciate and invest in. Yeah. The investment piece is massive because I think you almost, I think particularly, I can't speak for everybody, but for myself, with my first baby, it was just happening. And I just assumed that there would be, my body would recover. And I just mm. assumed that, and actually mm. I didn't see any of the activities I did as necessarily investment. I just saw it as that's what you do when you're pregnant, you know. Right, right. You know, whereas as I've had more pregnancies, I made very considered choices about what I was doing mm. because I had to invest in this body that I knew maybe wouldn't be able to be up to it unless I did that investment. How did it compare between your, your pregnancies and that? So it wasn't until you had your last two, your last set of twins, that you started to do Pilates yeah. and you did that prenatally as well mm -hmm. as postnatally from the others. How did that compare having not done that with your other Well, it's interesting because I think when I look at some of the physio support that I had is that some of the muscular damage for want of a better word and some of the struggles I've had actually when we've looked back at what's happened with pregnancy is that they actually happened in my first pregnancy they mm -hmm. happened with my one singleton baby so you almost think oh it's the twins it's mm -hmm. the twins that are going to be the biggest drain and are going to cause the biggest issue but I think because I was doing things so much better it's not the right phrase mm -hmm. but you know mm -hmm. when I was pregnant with the twins both times it was, and the, the second twin pregnancy was managed far better again mm. because I was doing Pilates and regular balanced exercise rather than just having yeah. a go at whatever was on offer for pregnant women. So one of the things I remember was, you know, when when you were coming pregnant with the last set of twins, that you were feeling good right up to the end, mm. and you were commenting on how much better you were feeling. And that's just testament to the work that you had put in and making the time a priority to do that. Yeah. Well, I so I had uh, SPD mm -hmm. uh, in both twin pregnancies. I didn't have it in my singleton pregnancies, but I had it in both twin pregnancies. But how that manifested itself first time round. So in the first twin pregnancy, I was on crutches mm -hmm. and you were staggering. That. And yeah. that's what I was really nervous about second time round because it was all being managed so much yeah. better physio regular pilates is i had it and i didn't use a crutch yeah. or crutches it was hardly at yeah. all was it and we planned and programmed the exercises you did because that became a goal you know we had that initial assessment and then obviously we kind of reworked what what the goals were that was a clear goal that you had set that you were worried you didn't want to get to that point of being mm. on crutches and in that pain so then you just program we programmed exercises you did in the gym that were designed to prevent that yeah 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 cool yeah and so you've obviously been practicing pilates now for four years is that yeah. about right a little over four years what would you say has been the impact on you both physically on your body and also mentally on your on your mind so the physical is very obvious to see and feel so if i have a gap and I've had gaps where it's been that it's not been possible to get to class or to carry on doing practice or I've not been as good at getting on and doing things at home. And uh, I feel it. I actually feel it mm. in my physical ability to be able to do things. Things ache, things hurt, things swell. I feel tired. My pelvic floor improved, but then I, ha I see change again when I'm not doing things mm -hmm. related to my pelvic floor, the Pilates related to my pelvic floor. So it, it, it's a very notable you know, I'm a bit more in tune with, and then mentally, it's just my space. You come every week and you just go, actually, I just walk in and I go, right now it's me time. Mm. And sometimes I'll arrive at a class and because of my crazy life, my brain will be completely scrambled mm -hmm. and you have to take your shoes off and you have to switch your phone off and you come into this almost silent studio and go, right, okay. And you find yourself back again. So it's, it's sort of a, it's good mentally mm. as well as physically for me every week to have that regular pattern. Sounds like a reset almost. Mm. Your busy brain just gets reset, you know, like a computer reboot. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not good. I think there's women, and I admire them if they can do it. There are women that can do that mental reset themselves. They can just mm. say, oh, I just take myself off. <laughs> Or I sit in the bath and, you know, but if I lie in the bath, oh. I'm writing mental lists for things yeah. I could be doing. Yeah. Or I've got 
Who's got children, sit at the back? children like, trying to get in with me? You know, it's, it's bonkers. So I don't have that. I'm not good at stopping when I'm on my own. So in fact, it's almost like it's a forced stop. Mm, yeah. I mean, I know you're not stopped when you're in Pilates because you're doing exercise, but it's a forced mental stop. Which and that's good. the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because you're doing the Pilates, which has to have your mind involved in it. You have to focus and concentrate on what you're doing. So you can't concentrate on the list in your head. No. Yeah, no, that is, that, that, that is really true. So in a typical week, what would your Pilates practice look like? Do you do once a week? Do you come to the studio? Do you do anything at home? So it's varied. Over the years, it's varied. So because right in the middle of these years, for obviously for everybody, it was, was COVID and lockdown. Mm. So there was a big period of time where I was online and are coming to a couple of zoom classes and i got away. to see all the little people in their pajamas it was <laughs> yeah. brilliant all rolling around with me and i loved it and i could still do it and actually i could still relax when doing it yeah. which was lovely so i've, I've done um online so i've done virtual classes i've done uh, claire's pelvic health online course um, which I do not as much as I should because I can see Claire's warning eyes going, yes, Kate, I know, I can see your progress, I can see how much you're doing. So there's more scope for me to do more. But then I also come in every week and actually now I'm sharing a two-to-one session with a good pal of mine and we come in um, with one of Claire's tutors and we, um, with Ria, and we have this lovely hour together on a Friday morning where we mm-hmm. found an hour in the week that worked and that works in my schedule at the moment. It works in my friend's schedule as well. So. And I've noticed that, and this is a real positive for you, Kate, is that even if your friend can't come, you still come. I do, yes. That time is time blocked regardless. And I think that's really important mm. because we could all learn from that because easily, we could all easily just, oh, sack it off because yeah. my friend can't come, but then you miss out. So, I, yeah, that's a real... No, I love when? coming and I love Friday morning. So, and that's been quite a recent change for me. Mm. Um, but I have done Pilates gym in the evenings. Yeah. I've done some of the late gym sessions where I've been here at sort of nine o'clock at night. But I've had to change because my tiredness levels have changed. My diary changes, but there's always been something for me to go to. And then when I've missed a gap or where there's been a gap where I've not been, Claire's going, uh, yes. <laughs> where, are, where are you? <laughs> so Claire is a Pilates teacher. How do you work with someone like Kate pre and postnatally? What do you recommend? Well, really, it begins with breath. You know, we have to start everybody pre or postnatal looking at assessing their breath because so often as Kate was describing the changes in your body affects everything when you're pregnant and your lungs get squished up in weird and wonderful places your diaphragm's compressed your ribs have had to move massively to accommodate and these are all factors in breathing and if we're then not breathing into our body fully it's not reaching our pelvic floor and fundamentally that is where we need to reach with all women pre or postnatal and not just for right then in that moment but for the future mm. we're thinking about that future proofing which you know I always talk about is so important and it's a great time if they've not had opportunity to learn about their pelvic floor before and how it relates to their breath then this is a captive moment so I always use it as a an education opportunity and we start with breath and then we look at what's realistic for the person you know Kate has six kids we have to be realistic about what's going to work so kate and i had a one-to-one a while ago where she said i literally have this tiny pocket of time and this is what my goal is i think you were going away in the summer Mm. and so you needed something that was going to be bish bash bosh just a tiny thing and really targeted Mm. so we made a tiny short video program that was just all about pelvic health and really giving you that strong sense of support from the inside out to run around after the kids on the beach and carry all the stuff that comes with children mm. at the beach and all of that. So it really is about tailoring it to that individual because we have to be realistic. Yeah. I think that's so much for me is about having it tailored mm-hmm. because I think, you know, there would be people perhaps that would say, oh, can't you do this sort of thing just a but you know, buy off the shelf type, mm-hmm. you know, or can't you just watch a YouTube video mm. or what have you? And I think... So much for me has been Claire knowing my body mm-hmm. and what I can do and then being able to have a plan that works yeah. for me that then is in a video that I can then copy and laugh a lot when I try and when roll myself to sitting up and we laugh and it's really <laughs> funny. But um, 
and my kids think it's hilarious. What is mummy doing? <laughs> but it's it's having that made for me means that I'm not setting myself up to fail. I'm not having mm-hmm. something that I'm going to go, I don't stand a chance of doing this. It's too tricky. And also I think that I sometimes... I have what? How do you? What do you call it? I'm. Um, I can bend too much. Hypermobility. Hypermobility. Uh, that's the one. So I'm also having learnt all this from Claire at risk of hurting myself or overdoing things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I also need somebody with their eyes on me going, nah, stand up rain a little bit, in. you know, rein it in. And I think you know, if I was just doing some watch on YouTube thing, yeah, that's where I probably could risk without somebody tutoring me going. Actually, I think we need to. Rain it back a bit, Kate. Yeah, and it's yeah. also having ha- having a teacher who actually knows about hypermobility mm. who can identify that in you and be able to give you specific cues to support you and educate you. Yeah, as well. And it sounds like there's been a bit of accountability there as well. Oh yeah, because for me anyway, the YouTube <laughs> video, no one knows whether you're doing it or not, or whether you're missing uh-huh. out a few bits on there, or you know. Well, we took accountability to another level mm. where I actually said to Kate, okay, you really want to do this. This is your window of time. You come here and do it. I'm not watching you, but you're going to come and say, I'm here. And I, okay. and she went down into the, Use the bottom studio. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. So you came down and did the online class, but you came to Claire's studio. To do it. <laughs> to do it. And so... We'll go to extreme measures to make it. I think it's a brilliant idea. So one of the things that I really love about the studio is it is calming, as you said, the plants. And what do you get from coming to Claire's studio, Chapel Allerton Pilates in particular? Well, we are, I mean, obviously, if people are listening and they live in Chapel Allerton, they're, you know, they'll know, they'll know the area and that the whole independent business Mm. piece thing is wonderful in Chapel Allerton. And I don't think we all realise in Chapel Allerton just how lucky we are, perhaps until you go out into other communities where they say, wow, you've got this whole network of indie businesses. But what you get when you come here is this feeling of the fact that you're in an independent studio. Mm -hmm. You don't get a feeling of the polished, you know, I've been a member of a big posh fancy Mm. gym where it's all branded and it all looks the same. And you get that feeling that this is different. This is like... You know, you're coming into somebody's home environment type thing, you know, where it's relaxed and it's got less of that corporate feel to it. It's very fitting for Chapel Allerton. Mm. It's really fitting. And, um, yeah, and I just, as I said, it just you just come in and it's quiet. You just, you have to whisper. Mm. <laughs> and that's all by design, you know. For us, we know how busy everyone's world is, how busy everybody's head is, and... For you to come and be able to get the maximum mm. out of the time that you spend, the environment needs to support that. And if it's all shiny and everything's crisp and white and corporate, it doesn't really invite you in. And mm. we wanted something that was going to invite you in and everybody to feel like they fit and belong here, which I think you know, is a really important access point for everybody that wants to try and do something to help mm. their health and well-being. And some of these big, expensive corporate places, they just don't welcome everybody. And that's what we want to make sure we do. I think you also, I think you come in to the downstairs studio. I love it because I arrive early just so I can sit down in the chair for five minutes and just <laughs> catch myself. I always arrive with my shopping. So I have to put all my shopping bags down and then just have a moment but I also think that by it being independent and feeling homely, welcoming, doesn't mean that it's not um, not posh, not, you know, mm. it's still got a lovely feeling about it. You still mm. feel like you're coming into luxury. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a bit more crafted than perhaps yeah. lines and white and logos everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So Kate, you're an award-winning businesswoman with an empire you've created <laughs> and grown since having children is yeah. that right yeah. yeah mini first day tell me a little bit about that so uh i started the business in leeds in chapel allerton and i had at the time i had a corporate job so i worked in training i was uh, a lead in uh, for mars the chocolate bar manufacturers um in the days where it was cool to say work rest and play and eat a chocolate bar every day um, <laughs> we used to go and take a scoop of m&ms up to the meeting room it was just yeah a different life uh, and I loved it, and I loved my corporate job, but when I had Alfie living in Leeds and travelling to London, I used to fly from Leeds Bradford down to Heathrow on a Monday and back later in the week, and we had sort of childcare juggled around that, and it wasn't cool anymore. 
and the job was amazing it just didn't fit me and so I was doing some consultancy work some HR consultancy work left Mars was doing this HR consultancy work but I had this little niggle about first aid because I wanted to do a first aid course for Alfie because I wanted to know what I would do if there was an emergency mm-hmm. with him and at the time I couldn't locate anything that was suitable and I ended up on a, a course uh, at one of the big charity centres um, but it was a six-hour course which when you've got a new baby nobody's got six hours and more to the point you couldn't take your baby with you so I turned up with him not realising that and they were like you can't bring your baby in and I was like but I'm breastfeeding I need wow. he, he's with me He's six weeks old, he's with me. And so um, I had to do the course but with my husband bringing Alfie round for feeds. Oh, wow. Gosh, we yeah. Yeah. So uh, we... Wheel them in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it was like, it was niggling, you know, oh, God, there's got to be a better way. And because of my background in corporate training, I'd written loads of courses in customer service, in sales over the years. So I knew how to write a good course, how to engage learners and what have you, but... First aid was always, in my eyes, very dull, very boring, perhaps a bit dry. And I was just like, there's, there's something here. So I wrote this course, got it uh, accredited by the first aid industry body so that I had some credentials. And then I used to run them in my kitchen and I used to charge people 20 quid to come to sit in my kitchen, play with the mannequins, the first aid mannequins, have a very reassuring couple of hours with me, leave feeling like they knew what they were doing. And I never really at that time thought, I'm going to have an empire. I'm going to mm. do this big piece mm. of business. It was just, it was money. I was doing consultancy work. That was paying the bills. So really this was extra spends. And, um, but it just took off. And I was in so much demand that I had to finish my consultancy work. And then we had inquiries in other areas of the country mm. where people were saying, we're seeing this is happening in Leeds. Is it possible to get this in Bristol? Hmm. okay so what do I do I get in my car I take my baby with me and we go and do some stuff in Bristol and then we go we probably need to recruit someone and we franchised at that point because we thought actually we want to take what I'm doing in Leeds and have that happening Mm. around the country that was eight years ago now and we now have 70 franchises across the country wow and we train from your kitchen from my kitchen to 70 franchises 70 franchises we change we train around a thousand families every week and then we've expanded from training families to starting to teach children. So we teach this in schools big. now. So it gives me goosebumps just <laughs> thinking about it. I think that's just and so And we teach uh, adults and we also teach people that need first aid for their job as well. So we teach the, the, the corporate, the qualification course as well. But fundamentally, the same thing is still there that you've got in my kitchen. Mm. So a bit like Claire is with here and the feeling you get in the space... It's the same with people on my courses. It, I don't want people to feel that it's dry, it's boring. Mm. I want them to come out and go, God, it was brilliant. I can remember it. It was memorable. That lady or that man that taught me made me feel really comfortable. And now if something happens, I know what I'm doing. And um, that's that's where we're at. So tell <laughs> me what a day in the life would look like. Tell me about today. What was today like for you? What What are you fitting in yeah right so it's it's uh six out to school first thing in the morning so everybody out uh, everybody has meals at school i can't go with with pat lunches that's that's, that's way beyond genius yeah <laughs> so i pay for it so that's fine so everybody has pat lunch so everyone has dinner at school so we just have to get everybody out the door in the morning and that's military that's everybody's uniform hung up the night before so that everybody they've got initials that they hang on their hangers so we know whose is whose not so much for the older ones, but for the little ones. How many schools? Uh, we're in three different schools at the moment. Okay. Uh, so, so two primary schools and one secondary school. Okay. Uh, and so we get the older two dispatched first in the morning. They're gone by eight to see you. And then we've got the four little ones at home. And then I get them up to school. We can walk. Oh, okay. Stroke drag. Stroke. <laughs> I was going to say push. that sounds a really nice start. No, day, it's awful. Okay. It's awful. I'm telling you nicely, it's horrendous. I hate it. You know, because you pour cornflakes and then they want cocoa pops, and then you pour cocoa pops and they want it muesli, and then somebody spilled milk on the floor, and oh. somebody wants their tights, and they're, they're wearing socks with holes in, and why haven't I got shiny shoes? And yeah. So by the time we actually dispatch them into their classrooms, I'm ready to line a heap on the floor. But then you have to turn around and network with all the other mums and dads on the school drop. Morning, hi, lovely to see you. (laughs) And then I trot to work. So our office is local, so I can walk to work. And I basically have flat out them from about ten past nine until about five past three, where I go back and pick them up. And then it's the, what we call the graveyard shift. 
script, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> after school, Brilliant. tea, bath time. And then depending on what time Matt gets in from work, my husband Matt works for Mini First Aid as well. So he runs all the operations for the business. Depending on what time he gets in, I think sometimes he waits on the porch until he hears me say, good night. <laughs> I'm home. <laughs> I'm Jess. He quite, he'll come home normally during bath time and then we have to hatch them all into bed. Yeah. And then, because the older two are a little bit older, they have activities in the evening that we have, mm. to, that we have to contend with and get them to those. And they eventually go to bed about nine o'clock where I drink probably more wine than I should and collapse in a heap. So for people like me who yeah. might be in awe of your business achievements while well, you're also <laughs> raising six children, including two sets of twins, I need to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> <And> a woman. <laughs> finding time for your own needs in terms mm. of your Pilates practice. What would you say to someone who might be struggling to fit everything in, in themselves? Is there something about your mindset, do you think, that's been key to, to your success? So I think anyone, any entrepreneur would say that I've been on this journey where I've been the HR manager, the finance director, the social media manager, the marketing manager for my business. I've done all those jobs and I've worked every hour. And I look back and think, how did I do it? And I did that with tiny babies. But as the kids have got older, I've actually found them surprisingly more demanding now than they were when they were babies. Mm. Because now they can talk (laughs) and they have opinions um, and they have emotional needs. And so actually now, for me, it's about having real boundaries in my time. So I don't work or I try. It does happen sometimes, but I try not to work in the evenings anymore because I'm too tired um, and I don't work on a Friday and I put my out of office on on a Friday. Sometimes things happen. I get pulled in to do stuff, but it's having boundaries. Mm. Um, and also I've had to let go of things. So I've had to accept that things might be being done slightly differently by somebody in my team now, but the reality is I'm not doing it. So I have to go, okay, that's probably not how I would have written that email or how I would have done that, but someone else is doing it. So I think Mm. I've also had to just be happy about letting go a little bit. Um, But if I really analyse it, I don't know how I do it. Because you just do. I think, you know, this might sound a little sexist, but I think for women, we spin masses of plates at the same time. And, um, And I drop a few along the way. You know, it's normally a forgotten birthday, you know, or sending somebody a text message and calling them the wrong name or suddenly going, oh, I was supposed to meet you and I've forgotten. But yeah, it's interesting. I was reading an article um, recently about the um, the mental load and and, and emotional labour. And I think maybe that's what you're Mm. you're talking about in terms of what women are dealing with emotionally and that they're pick, perhaps picking up a lot of the school stuff for uh, the children and the parties and the, the things that, that are spinning around in their heads that aren't necessarily being done by the partner. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we have in our marriage, we have a very balanced share of everybody pulling their weight. And I certainly don't, you know, I certainly feel supported and, you know, and I've got some amazing mates that, mm. that hold me up and, and do stuff. But, you know, there is there is this big load. And I think we do spin a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. The parties are just off the scale. We had three birthday parties this last weekend, and that's pretty regular mm. for us. Um, and I think the other thing to throw in as a woman is that then they chuck your hormones in. Because I'm also in my <laughs> mid-40s. Yep. So I'm an older mum with very little ones. And I'm perimenopause. Mm. And I'm on HRT. I'm just going, this is just bonkers. You know, it's just... <laughs> it is Yeah, bonkers. it is. It is. And, and you get all that as well. And so ever so often, I collapse in a heap and crying and it's not coming out of my nose and I feel awful. Oh, I can't do it. And then I sort of brush myself off and recoil a bit, change my diary around. Matt says, oh, I wouldn't do that. I cancel a few nights out. Mm. And then I feel a bit better. And then I go again. So, yeah. And it's important, I think, to honour those moments mm where it's totally fine to to be a mess and cry and be in a puddle at home and have that moment so that it does allow you yeah. the time to recalibrate and look at. So you're not just constantly spinning your wheels, you're not on the treadmill, you've got off and you're yeah recalibrating again. I do. I mean, I document our life on social media for giggles, right? Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's, so I don't paint any beautiful picture about, you know, so I will, yeah. I have to be very careful because the stories that I tell about my kids will stay as a digital yeah. footprint for them forever. So I have to be careful of that. But I don't say that it's beautiful when it's not, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I was writing a post today about the fact that World Book Day is coming up. Oh, don't. <laughs> and I've got to get five people in costumes before nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's just like... That's a punishment. Yes. That's not an appreciation for literature. <laughs> I think That's most households think that it's a punishment. Yeah, just absolutely. Oh. So the only thing I can do about it is rather than stress about it, is just laugh about it because otherwise we'd be all be And for what it's worth, I think parents everywhere are going, yes! Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. Claire, how about you? To me, there's no question. You're, you're also a real role model. <laughs> You've got a thriving oh business. God. You're pioneering new approaches to pelvic health you're raising three boys i could go on what would you say to people who might be looking at you in admiration and wondering how does she fit everything in (laughs) i'm like hey actually some days i don't know either it's not for me sometimes it's not until people reflect it back to you that Mm. you realize how much you're spinning yeah because it's just my desire to you know my mission or whatever i'm just carrying on and the honest truth of it is that I'm not doing it on my own you know like Kate Scott my husband he works with me in the business he also works with me at home and he does the menu planning he does the cooking he does the grocery shopping he does the laundry he's doing that life stuff that I'm telling you, when I get home at night from a long day of teaching, sometimes I start at eight in the morning and I don't finish till 10 o'clock at night and I am not putting washing on when I get home. And if he wasn't doing that, I would still have to be doing that washing. So I'm totally not doing it on my own. And learning, definitely, I I was getting some tips when you were talking, Kate, about letting people do it their way i'm not sure that computing <laughs> might be because my I, way or the highway i am i definitely struggle with um that that kind of letting go mm. point and i want my work and the studio here to continue with the feel and the vibe and the quality uh i just can't i know i can't be here mm. eight till ten like that's just not realistic long term so yeah I think I might need to get some advice from Kate on how to (laughs) transition from being all things. I think you've both just made a really important point that you're not doing it alone yeah it isn't the social media uh rose tinted glasses of this superwoman no it's having the support it's saying no Mm -hmm. to things it's um, letting other people do things for you. I think it's also, and I'm sure your children are the same, involving the children in the journey. We talk, communication is one of our core values as a family, and we talk all the time about what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what it means to us as a family and to our community beyond our family. So we will agree to do things or not do things. You know, I went and did my year-long mentorship where I was back and forth to Florida with Lolita San Miguel, and that was a huge thing. We agreed as a family that we could manage that, that we could all cope with that thing that I was going to do and why was I going to do it. And I think that's really important. What would you say are the things that bring you the most pleasure? We're talking a lot of work and being busy and and, and achieving goals, but what what are the things that bring you the most pleasure? I think for work, I my job satisfaction is that we don't go more than a couple of days without getting an email from somebody to say, I came to your class in Southampton or Edinburgh or Glasgow or wherever, and then this happened. And because you taught me what to do, I was able to save my baby's life. And it happens countless times. And you just get that feeling. And sometimes that's what I need. I need that email or I need that trust pilot review because somebody said that because that could be the moment where I'm looking at hundreds of emails and thinking, oh, I've got all this stuff to do. And Mm -hmm. then it's parents' evening or whatever else I've got to do after that. (laughs) And then someone goes, my baby stopped breathing, but you taught me CPR. And you just go, right. And that's my that's yeah. that's my satisfaction. At home, my satisfaction is when my kids are asleep 
I go in at night, I go up to bed, probably too late, should go to bed early, I go to bed about 11 o'clock and I go into each of them. That sounds like we've got loads of rooms, we haven't, they're all crammed in in a couple of rooms. So that we go in and I look at them all sleeping and I see them breathing and I just go, yes, yes. Another day, done it. And they're gorgeous. Mm. Kids, kids are cute, even when they're 12, they're cute when, when they're, they're asleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lovely. And it just goes, it's a reset to go, when I put you to bed I hated you, but I quite like you now yeah. from when you're asleep. Yeah, I remember that feeling of like being desperate for them to go to bed when they were wee, and then like ten minutes after they're asleep, I'm like, oh, I miss them now because that they they are just amazing and they teach us so much. For me, I think really similarly to Kate for work is when I get that feedback, whether it's here at the studio or whether it's an email, where somebody has discovered or achieved something particularly with pelvic health that's the real trigger for me because so much of the world is is against and teaching a different way a different approach to pelvic health and that resistance can really be challenging for me and upsetting for me at times and it's like always when I'm feeling a bump in the road I get an email from someone going I just ran with my kids and forgot that I even had a problem with my pelvic floor because it's just working better now. And that is just phenomenal. And then at home, my favourite time is when we're all sat around the table together and we do our what we're thankful for for the day. And it's that little glimpse into their worlds and what is important to them. I love that. Do they say lovely things? Sometimes. I mean, you and more, my youngest more often than not will say, I'm thankful for this lovely dinner, as if it's like a rare thing. When he doesn't <laughs> want, when he, yeah, when he doesn't want to wait to eat, <laughs> he just wants <laughs> to get stuck in. I'm thankful for this lovely dinner. Can I eat it now? Um, but yeah, they do. They say really, really brilliant things. And, you know, my big one is doing A-levels right now. And a lot of his appreciation is for the support that he's getting from his friends and from his teachers to get to achieve what he needs to achieve for his uh, exams. So it's really lovely to get those little insights. Mm. Little nuggets. Little nuggets. Because <laughs> that's, it's crumbs. We're just collecting crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> and for both of you, when you're feeling overwhelmed, and you've both said that it, you know, you, you do, what coping strategies do you have? Gosh, that's a tricky one. Well, I think... Um, Bit of breathing, bit of breathing, thank you Claire, bit of breathing <laughs> um, and actually I was told some really good advice that I was given is that so much of my pressure or perceived pressure that I have comes from on my phone because my life is on my phone, my emails, the contacts from school, everything, my social media, everything, everything, I'm instantly reminded of all my pressure by my phone so if I need to just break it's just my phone that's got that's to go. Great. Yeah, and so, um, and in fact, it was Sarah Davis, our dragon, who invested in us for Dragon's Den. She said to me, "Be present in whatever you're doing. So if you're in the park with your kids, put your phone away, push mm. a swing. Mm. Don't push a swing reading your emails mm. at the same time." And I tell other people that now, like as if it's my best advice, but it came from her, and I'm sure she probably got it from someone else as well. So that's my coping. Is just the mm. phone just has to go. And then, because people are so used to getting me, I'll see a WhatsApp because I put my phone down for an evening. Kate was trying to get hold of you. And you think, really? You know, is it because they know that they can get instant? So that's mm. that's me. Phone away if I'm feeling overwhelmed. And sometimes I think, and I've definitely found this, that if you're instantly replying as well, that expectation mm. comes. Yeah, yeah. And so people will ask you things that actually probably could have waited. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So just setting some boundaries, boundaries it sounds like. Yeah. There. How about you, Kate? Claire? Um, the thing, it, it's really interesting because when I'm overwhelmed, it's usually because I'm putting a lot of expectation on myself that I want to, you know, cure the world's pelvic health and I want to do it yesterday. And I just actually stop myself and look at what I can do today. Mm. Who can I affect today? What can I do now? What is going to be the next step forwards and just do that because you can so quickly get overwhelmed. I also 
would say that Kate and I might just enjoy a G&T together and a wee walk or a, yeah. you know, problem shared, a chat. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Because I, I think, think that's important too. Yeah, and, and to change your space. You know, if you go and do an activity like coming here on a Friday, if my brain is buzzing mm. and then I come in here, I have to concentrate on what I'm doing mm. and my phone's off. So it's like, right, sorry, but for the next hour, you've got to get back. And sometimes it takes me 10 minutes to really go, you know, and Rhea will say to me at the moment, Kate, Kate, are you there? Are you there? Come on, pay attention. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And Clay used to do that with me as well. But that's another thing. Are you in the thing. room yet? Yeah. 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 But you're always in the room by the time you leave, yeah. which is great. Yeah, yeah. Has there been a point for you, Kate, after having your children, where you just felt a bit better? When you felt all the things that Claire's described in terms of pelvic health and um, being able to breathe and just some of those basics. Has there been a point? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I wouldn't... Uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm constantly aware that I'm probably very close to the wire, you know, on the edge, probably with my toes dangling over, that I am... Up putting myself under pressure, physical pressure, mental pressure, emotional pressure, that's that's constant. But actually, by taking some time and making a, a decision to go, right, I'm going to focus on my body and my health, it definitely is paying me back in dividends. It's not solving the world, and I'm not perfect, but it definitely helps, definitely, yeah. Do you combine Pilates with any other exercise? Yeah, so I also do some sort of more exerting physical exercise. So I do some PT sessions as well. Wow, um, okay. And I do them at the weekend, early in the morning, mm -hmm. because it gets me out of Coco Pop Gate. <laughs> <laughs> so I go at eight, and then by the time I get back, then my kids are fed, and the milk's already been spilt on the floor. And I want there. Brilliant. Brilliant. Daddy's department. Escape route. <laughs> yeah. I hear you on yeah. that one. So I do, so I do that. And um, although sometimes I find if it's quite physically exerting, sometimes it actually makes me want to cry because I feel really, really physically exhausted by the end mm. of the week. And then I think, oh, crikey. Um, but I love that as well. But I'm doing that for my physical body change of shape. You know, I'm trying yeah. to like mm. lose a bit of weight and, and fit back into whatever prenatal clothes I mean I couldn't I couldn't even wear clothes that I wore before I was pregnant anyway because then I was 29 mm. <laughs> I'm now in my mid-40s if I turned up wearing some of the clothes I wore when I was 29 they'd all wonder what I was doing in my head dress. in my head I'm still heading back there into those clothes it's interesting isn't it because I've, I've got two two children so not not anywhere near as many and you do hear this this rhetoric of getting back you know being who you were mm. and getting back in your old clothes and it's kind of like well actually that person's gone. Oh, yeah. They've gone. Oh, They're yeah. Long gone. And I know that. And I know that. I still think about them, though. But, you know, I do, you know, and I look back, the wedding photo. Oh, oh I, I love your wedding photo. That's, that was half of me <laughs> in dimensions. I'm like, crikey. Um, but I think to be physically well, there mm -hmm. are there is a certain level of exercise and that I need to do to stay physically fit because to have this many kids chasing around after them and all that... Yeah, I think you've your got to your lungs, your heart, yeah. your bone density. Women are losing bone density from their mid twenties. This might be another pod podcast, mm. and so you have to do other exercise as well. Mm. You know, it's really important, even if it's walking. I do a lot of yeah walking. You know, people at, at pace. At pace, you do. <laughs> I see you. You walk very quickly, and I walk to work, not as fast as Claire, <laughs> but yeah. um, I carry a very heavy bag, which is not great. Um, but yeah, it's walking's good headspace time as well. It's isn't really it? good. I'm like tuning out of work and into mum mode as I'm walking home, mm. and it's a conscious like there's a certain point where I'm just I'm just at the bottom of your road actually. I'm about to cross Harrogate Road, and that's when the switch goes and that's it. I'm then starting to think about what I'm going home to, how I want to arrive home. To and if you did that in the car, you wouldn't have enough time. No, yeah, no, no. And it is about fitting that exercise in, making it integrated integrate in into your day. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Well, Kate, we usually end each episode with Claire shares three pearls of wisdom that we'd love people to take away from today. But Claire, you've shared so. Uh, Kate, you've shared so too many Kays. Uh, you shared so much, so much wisdom. Could you also share with us your top three things that you do that helps you to make time for everything you've got going on in your life, the things that are a priority for you? 
Right, okay, so planning. So we have a planner. So stick a planner to your fridge and it's not a diary on my phone, it's a planner. We can all see it and we all plan and so everybody knows where they're at. So planning is an absolute must for me. You've got to know where you are and what, what time you've got to be places. Uh, two is this this piece around um, being present in whatever you do. Mm. So that's my big thing. I've taken that piece of advice and I go with that. When I'm with my kids, I'm with my kids. When I'm working, I'm working. When you try and do both together, it generally goes horribly wrong. Um, and then that third thing is just that that piece around letting go. That's the it's the letting go and going. I'm going to let somebody else do that for me, and accept that maybe it's not going to be done as I would do it. Maybe in the guise of the way I would do it, but yeah. So that's my that's my three bits that keep me head above water. I'm going to definitely take those words <laughs> of advice. And Claire, could you also share your three pearls of wisdom that helps you to make time for everything you're currently juggling and, of course, your own Pilates? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and this is personally what I do is I schedule it. If I haven't scheduled it, if it's not in my scheduler, diary, whatever, it's not going to happen. I have to have a reminder. I have to see that it's scheduled and that makes sure I actually do it, whether it's Pilates or gin and tonic with Kate. Um, every evening, so before, right before I go to bed, I'm writing down three must-do things to achieve the next day. And then I sleep on it and it's there, some, I don't know, it's, something works. And then I make sure I achieve those things the next day. And then I, anything I need to be accountable for, I say it out loud. So today, for example, I now have made a break. This is huge. I have made a break in my day between teaching classes. So I've got three back to back. I've got half an hour break and then I do another one before the next bit. And in that half an hour, that's my Pilates practice in the studio on the equipment, which I never get to do because it's impossible. The minute I walk in here, somebody wants something, there's something that needs to be done, the bin needs emptied or something needs sorted. So I said it to two of the teachers in the studio today, when we're here at this time on a Tuesday, I will be doing my Pilates practice. So accountability is huge for me, I have to say it out loud. So there you go. Brilliant. Thank yeah, you. Those are such yeah. good tips. Good Kate, thank you so much for chatting to us today. Pleasure. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and I think I've found your perspective on life to be really inspirational and also refreshing. It's been great. I mean, Kate and I could talk for ages and it's been a real treat that we've been able to share the conversation with our listeners because I know they're going to gain a lot from hearing your story and your words of wisdom. Oh, thank you. I've loved it. Nice to be out without the children. <laughs> I'll be back. When For you're on me. Us, Same yeah. time next week. <laughs> Lovely. So we'll be continuing our theme of mindset and beliefs in our next episode and chatting all things pelvic health. In the meantime, let us know what you think of this episode. Like, share, do all of the things you know you need to do to help other people find us. And we'd really love you to let us know if there's anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes. And thank you so much for listening.